Welcome back to another episode of The Nick's Cave. I'm your host, Nick, and we got the two Klotz brothers, Sam and Max. How's it going, guys? It's going all right. It's going. All right. Yeah, it's definitely going. I guess that's one way to put it. Um, So I guess we're just going to start off. We're going to do a kind of recap of the trade deadline and the future of the team and where we're at. And uh, I guess I'll start with you, Sam. Uh, What do you think about our trade deadline? (laughs) I feel like uh, it's maybe a three times a year or more process going through the five stages of grief as a Knicks fan. And Mm. uh, definitely indulge in a little bit of that. Uh, I know we said that we said on our first episode that if they didn't trade anyone, we were going to be extremely unhappy. And lo and behold, they didn't trade anyone. uh, Mm. And we were extremely unhappy. So you would have liked to see them at least get off some of the salary and clear space in the rotation for Cam Reddish, namely, but uh, more, more minutes for Grimes and uh, quick and even maybe Deuce McBride. And so just to see them do nothing was definitely disappointing. Um, You know, moving on to the second or third stage of grief with uh, accepting and rationalizing it, I think, (laughs) they probably thought that you know they couldn't they probably did not get any offers of value for those players which is damning in terms of what they did this summer uh but they probably felt that they could get more value uh during the summer moving them as expiring contracts if if i had to try to put my mind put myself in the mind of leon rose max what do you think yeah pretty similar um was definitely I mean, the goal coming out of the trade deadline had to be freeing up minimum one, hopefully two rotation spots. And they didn't do any of that at the trade deadline. Now, since the trade deadline, it seems like they're freeing up one by just either deciding or, according to Leon Rose, having Kemba decide that he's not going to play for the rest of the (laughs) season. Uh, But yeah, definitely hope they would do something. Like it seemed like, At the very least, Burks could be kind of movable, but I guess he may have played himself out of being a valuable trade asset over the past couple months because he hasn't been on the best stretch, the best stretch here of late. Yeah, it was definitely a disappointment. Uh, It's kind of unclear what the organization's goals are for the rest of the season. Definitely seems like the front office and the coaching might not be aligned in what the goals are for the rest of the season. But at the same time, the front office can't be mad at, at, the coaching for at Tibbs for sticking to his principles of like trying to win every game. And if they want to have the young guys play, they have to make it impossible for the young guys not to play. Otherwise it's just, it's, it's, it may not get done. So I guess this Kemba benching is like the first step, but yeah, I mean, kind of morbidly curious to see where it goes from here. Yeah. The Kemba thing felt really weird. I think we all saw that state, Mint by the Knicks and said, oh, this feels icky. Uh, uh, definitely felt like there's no way it was his choice to shut himself down. I mean, unless he really was injured, unless he was really just not feeling well physically. But uh, definitely seems like some tactics on Leon Rose's part. Yeah, it's possible that they came to him and were just like, we want you to play 12 minutes a game. And he and his representation were like, I don't want to do that. That's going to kind of tank my value. And they thought it might mm-hmm. be better for I him to just shut himself down. But I feel like it's more likely that the Knicks were just like, we're not going to play you anymore since they already did that this season. Like it's not, it's not a new right. play. <laughs> right. So just to read the statement for our listeners, this is what the Knicks. So first Woj reported that the Knicks and Kemba had mutually agreed that he wouldn't play for the rest of the year. And then the Knicks released a one-sentence press release, which I always think is kind of funny. It's just like a bunch of blank space in one sentence. And it says, we fully support Kemba's decision to shut it down for the remainder of the season and to use this time to prepare for next season. His long-term success on the court remains our priority. Which just sounds like... Sure it does, Leon. (laughs) Bullshit. (laughs) 
Yeah, we're really interested in his long-term potential. Yeah, for sure. In an interview with the media in November, December, when he was sitting on the bench, they asked Kemba whether he was happy not to be playing. And he said, I hate not playing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's not not exactly the time that he's just going to completely flip a switch and, you know, feel a different way about it. I don't think he thinks he's at the end of his career or anything, so. Although I, I will say... Since the benching, the second benching, part two, there have been a number of reports saying that he was playing through tremendous pain. And people mm. said that they saw him walking around through games and he looked like he was in considerable discomfort. So I don't think anyone uh, within the Knicks organization deserves the benefit of the doubt necessarily, uh, given our history for the past 20 years. But it is possible that he just might be at a point right now where his knee is, is so bad that he can't play on it. And that that would kind of map onto what we've seen on the court. I mean, he just hasn't looked right at all um, for pretty much since he he went on the pot streak and then came down to earth. And since then, it's been way down to earth. Um, I I knew it was over when I don't remember which game this was, but it was in the past couple of weeks. He was at the Garden. He had an open three in transition. He shot it. It was short front rim. It bounced back right to him. He stepped into an, a mid-range jumper, again wide open, and airballed it. And it was just like, <laughs> yikes. I love this guy. He used to be so good, but he there's something wrong. <laughs> Could that have been the OKC game? I'm trying to, we haven't had that many home games recently. I don't well, know. Anyway, it's okay, so, so, so Kemba's shut down, which I think, you know, whether he was um, waived or shut down, I think we all kind of expected that. They were going to do something and make some decision surrounding Kemba. Um, what what do you guys think? Who do you think is going to start in his place? I mean, who do I, I think? Well, I was going to say, I think Quick should start in his place. Um, it definitely seems like Burks will start in his place. <laughs> um, we're going to go back to point Burks. But honestly, I can kind of see the rationale for it because at least RJ and Randall uh, are – semi-capable ball handlers and initiators whereas if you took quick out of the second unit the rest of that unit is really not like there's no one on that unit who's going to initiate the offense for other people until rose gets back so i can sort of see trying to keep quick with the other bench guys and making sure that unit still has some cohesion and then just kind of slogging through whatever like point Barrett slash point Randall slash point Burks gets you. But regardless, Quick has to play a lot down the back stretch of the season in these last 20 games or so. We, I feel like we have to try to come out of this year knowing whether he's a starting guard or whether he has future as like a point guard or if he's more of just like a, a scoring combo guard off the bench. Um, because that's kind of a, that's going to be a pretty key question for the team going forward is if, if that point guard's not on the roster, we're going to have to get one. Um, and then from what I've seen from quick this year, definitely seems like he's, he's progressing more as like a combo scoring guard off the bench. Uh, doesn't seem like a starting point guard to me, at least with how he's played this year, but there's no way to really know that for sure until you give him the opportunity. So I'm going to be pretty disappointed if he's not our leading minutes getter at point guard for the rest of the season. Sam, what about you? I mean, you know, what Max just said about us not having another ball handler on the second unit, that's true, but Rose has been practicing. He's doubtful for their game on Friday, but you have to think he'll be back soon. And what worries me is that Tibbs is, we all know Tibbs is rigid and inflexible. Um, And I think he probably just wants to start Burks straight up and doesn't have any interest in starting quickly. But if you're thinking for so short term that you're saying we need to have quickly on the bench uh, to start because Rose won't be there. I mean, someone to handle the ball on the bench. So we're going to put Burks in there. That's going to set him on the course, having Burks as the starting point guard. And then I don't see him changing up that lineup. You know, I think he's going to go into this post all-star break period with the point guard who he plans to use for the rest of the season. Um, I agree with Max. I think it should be quick. I wouldn't mind taking a look at Deuce because in my opinion, the season's over. So who cares? Um, but I, I think Tibbs is going to trot Burks out there. 
Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, and, and that's kind of everything we've heard so far is that Burks is going to be the starter. And, you know, I think we're probably going to lose a ton of games over the next few weeks. I mean, our schedule once again is just absolutely brutal and we just can't seem to capitalize when our schedule isn't, which is one of the more frustrating things about this season. Um, but yeah, no, I think Deuce would be nice. It would be nice to get him in there a little bit and see what he has. I mean, he kills it in the G League. He definitely doesn't kill it in the minutes. I mean, there have been a couple of games, I think, this year where he's played pretty well. But um, in terms of offensively in particular, I think he just has a long way to go to kind of at least mentally get into the rhythm of an NBA game. But yeah, I think, you know, Burks is going to be, be trotted out there. It's going to look weird. It's going to look clunky as it usually does. And then once Rose comes back, I think they're going to do Rose quickly backcourt and off the bench. And honestly, they probably will get a lot of minutes together. You know, I'm sure they'll start playing well. They clicked last year. They have really good chemistry. And and particularly with Obi, I think it really frees the court up. I think Max often makes makes that point that the bench with Rose is just a completely different beast. Can I just make one point on point point Burks? I, I think it's kind of, under discussed with putting him at point guard that it may be killing his trade value because if we look at his numbers this year they're way down specifically his two-point percentage i mean the guy cannot make a layup his two-point percentage is 37 percent. oh my god are you serious 37 percent. that's that's horrible abysmal last year it was 42 percent. which wait that is shocking that is shockingly bad but a five percent drop in his two pointers it's yeah. Wow. Yeah, I also, don't know. Um, I've got another point on on Rose coming back, which is the Kemba thing is kind of a Band-Aid on the rotation issues. But when Rose comes back, we're going to be right back to having 11 guys or 10 guys who Tibbs wants to play ahead of Reddish. So <laughs> once yeah, Rose comes Cam. back, I don't know. I don't know where the minutes are going to come from for Reddish unless we shut down another vet which just seems like unlikely. It's going to be super tough for him too. Cause I think he's probably not playing super well in practice. I can't, you know, if he was dominating in practice, I'm sure he'd be getting more minutes, but to be fair to him, he's really young. This is his first team that he's been traded to and he's coming into a new situation. It's already a little bit shaky and dicey. And, you know, you have a coach that is already unwilling to play young guys. So he's probably got a little bit in his head and I don't see him cracking the rotation, just basically working hard and, and playing well in practice. I, I think that Tez is going to take him out for, or keep him out for a lot longer than probably he would even deserve. But yeah. It looks that way. I think, uh, I think for Grimes though, can we talk about something good? I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that he's, I think he's going to get a ton of minutes regardless of who's out there. Tibbs seems to love him. We actually nailed the pick, which is great. So that, that's something to be hopeful for. And I'm actually really looking forward to see what he does in the second half of the year. I, I think we all talked about last time that he actually plays winning basketball for a rookie. And, you know, if he really steps it up even more than he's doing, which I think he's actually capable of because that first kind of, few months of the season for a rookie is always a bit of a trial period. Um, if he comes back more comfortable even and, and an even better and more consistent shooter, I think he could be a real boost for us. Um, and, it, you know, I'm not sure we'll, we'll get into our future projections of how we look for the rest of the season, but um, what do you guys think about Grimes? Give me as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see, I mean, I'd love to see just like see him get 30 minutes, see what that looks like. How many threes can he get up in a game? Can he maintain his accuracy? I want to see him guard the best ball handler on opposing teams and see how he continues to fare. Like he's been, him and RJ have been the bright spots of this season for sure. Yep. I agree. And it was stupid. He wasn't on the rising stars team. Use it as fuel. Use it as motivation. Yeah. (laughs) I think he'll actually benefit a lot from playing with Rose. I think, I think he's okay. going to really enjoy that. And that, that bench unit, you know, if we have some sort of positive thing to look forward to, I think it's going to be that bench unit in the second half of the season. So, I mean, I wonder, I, I kind of don't think this will happen, but I wonder if Tibbs would, uh, to try to appease the like youth movement calls, would, would start Grimes on tomorrow and, uh, and bench Fournier. I'd be okay. surprised. I'd be surprised, but 
He could do Assuming it. RJ comes back, that is. Is RJ looking likely for tomorrow? He's questionable. He's yeah. Questionable. I think he'll probably play. Which be nice maybe begets a Tibbs conversation. The fact that the guy is still questionable two weeks after his injury. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think part of it also is he was probably exhausted from playing 49 minutes a game somehow every day. <laughs> um, but I don't know. That, that was just a complete mess. I don't, complete bungle job by Tibbs as usual <laughs> with the with the minutes. Might be but seeing anyway, our last so 20 let's, games let's, here. Yeah, Tibbs. let's talk about the last 20 games. Um, Max, what's our... Give me some positives. Give me some negatives. What are you looking at for the next few weeks? It's it's all about the young guys. Well, almost all about the young guys. So I want to see if RJ continues to expand his scoring game and look like the player he's looked like since um, mid to late January as like a, a rising star. Um, I want to see if quickly can handle the load as uh, as a ball handler in, in a bigger context. I want to see if bringing Rose back kind of unlocks Toppin again and makes him look like the Energizer Bunny that we fell in love with earlier in the season. But And I want to see if, if Cam Reddish looks like an NBA player. Um, I mean, positives, I don't know. Hopefully there'll be a lot of minutes to see these guys play. Negatives, there might not be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I definitely have some hopes going in. I feel like these games will still be interesting to watch because we'll be able to see what Grimes looks like, what RJ looks like. Also, like it, it should be said that while he has had some maddening late game sequences, Randall has really stepped it up over the last few weeks. And if he can show just signs that that player from last year was not a total fluke, that will increase. I mean, if Randall's a good player, it immediately increases our our just possibilities of being a good team with without making significant roster changes and it helps if we want to trade him in the future if he displays an ability to to get back to some semblance of that level from last year so i'll probably still keep an eye on that like i wouldn't be in favor of shutting him down i think you still want to see if he can kind of play his way out of out of the mat the sort of madness of this season for him Sam, what do you think of Randall's play recently? It's definitely been a big uptick from where he was, you know, even a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's been better. Uh, definitely been better. The just aggressiveness and decisiveness is good to see. Um, the shooting hasn't fully come back yet, but uh, anything, anything than anything like better than what we had earlier this season is a welcome sight. So I, I think in retrospect, the front office was maybe wise not to move him and, and just try to get his value up a little bit more. I think the shooting hasn't quite come back, but it definitely looks more comfortable. Like he's getting into his shots just a little bit smoother. It doesn't feel like he's as in his head. So even though they're not you know going in at a crazy high percentage, I, I do see them going in more. And just the fluidity in his movement is, is just much better. Yeah. Yeah. It's quicker decisions. He's getting the the ball up the court faster when he gets a rebound. All those things are definitely positives and help us play at a higher level. And none of the young guys are ready to be primary options. So, or maybe RJ, but aside from RJ, no one is. So if you take Randall out of the equation, it might look really bad and potentially develop some really bad habits, but at least Randall can sort of stand in as the guy who the offense runs through and the other guys can play roles that are a little bit more similar to what they will be playing throughout their careers. Probably. You know, that meme where it's like the army soldier and he's kneeling in front of a child and just taking all the fire, all the shots into his back. That's Randall on this team. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's Obi and RJ and Quaker huddled beneath him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) oh man well speaking of someone who's just a huge guy let's talk about (laughs) let's talk about mitchell robinson because we have neglected to talk about him too much on this podcast they're unacceptable and uh i kind of want to talk about you know recap his first part of this season which i thought he really showed some flashes of being quite brilliant and and a real force 
on both ends, to be honest. And this shows some real flashes that he is in much better shape, that he's bigger, that he can D up on a variety of different positions. Um, and I'm, I'm just curious what you guys are looking for from him in the, uh, in the second half of the season. Yeah, I think we're in an interesting spot with Mitch here because they, we, there was a report uh, after the trade deadline that they'd had some sort of exploratory talks on trading him, um, but I guess didn't like the value they were getting back. I think there was a conversation with Pistons where they asked for Isaiah Stewart and the draft asset. Um, there may have been another offer or two for Mitch, and they decided not to move him, um, which is an interesting move because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And so if we want to have the cap, if you want to try to clear cap space to sign someone like Jalen Brunson this summer, it could get tricky with re-signing Mitch unless we were to do some kind of sign and trade. So I think it's by no means a sure thing that we're going to keep him. Yet at the same time, they valued him high enough, highly enough that they didn't try to move him or they didn't move him um, at the deadline. So I think his play for the rest of the year is going to be fascinating. And like you said, he's had moments. Uh, I think it was the Grizzlies loss where he was just everywhere, blocked a shot, like just caught it. I think it was a John Moran three that he just caught out of the air. Um, he's had games where he's looked totally dominant, um, just as that sort of rim protecting, long-armed deflections on defense guy, um, playing with a lot more awareness, being in the right spots at the right time. And then on offense, just dunking everything in sight. Um, but at the same time, there, there, are not, there are a couple of things that I think really uh, inhibit his future projection and his value. And that's one, three things, really. One, he just seems like a little bit of a head case. And it's tough to tell if his head is really screwed on the right way to, that, to the point where he is ever going to be like a guy that you could trust in, say, game five, game six of a playoff series. But maybe that's unfair to him because we haven't seen him in that spot. Two, he very often like maybe once every other game falls down and gets up awkwardly and just seems a little bit gimpy uh, and just gives me weird, like Porzingis concern flashbacks from when I used to see him fall and freak out all the time. Although, you know, Porzingis was my, my all and my everything at that point. So I was probably much more concerned with him. And then finally, I think, Maybe the biggest sort of strategic and structural question mark with Mitch is how much should you really be paying a guy who only dunks and defends? Um, you know, he's not like the Robert Williams contract that he got from the Celtics. Robert Williams is capable of doing some playmaking uh, that Mitch may not ever be capable of. I don't know if Mitch has, I've, I've, he's definitely assisted, but I can't recall a single Mitch assist, which, <laughs> um, me neither, actually. Indicative. Yeah. So, <laughs> 0. 0.4 a game for the season. 0. 0.4. I mean, that's honestly higher than... That's more than expected. I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I just think um, it'll be interesting to see how he plays for the rest of the year. I think if he plays really well, it's going to put them in a bit of an awkward spot. Um, but on the other hand, if he continues to play in this sort of up and down inconsistent way, uh, it puts them in an awkward spot as well of not really knowing whether to pay him, but not wanting to lose him for nothing. Yeah. And another thing with him is when you think of him as like a starting center, he rarely has displayed an ability to consistently play like over 30 minutes a game. And that might be because Tibbs loves playing Taj and Nerlens, but also it's because whether it's fouls, which he's gotten better at, but fouls and just general conditioning, I don't know if he's someone you can trot out there for like 36 minutes and expect him to hold up. So that's another consideration the Knicks are going to have to make when they decide what they want to pay him, if they want to pay him. Yeah, and on that, I think, Sam, you're trying to figure out, you know, how valuable is he? I think it really depends on if he's a true game changer on the defensive end. And we've seen flashes of it. We've seen signs that he can be for stretches or even sometimes full games, but he hasn't put together like a consistent stretch, like a go bear where he's just doing it every single night. You know, sometimes, yeah, he has foul, but he still has a little bit of foul issues still. And he definitely looks gassed, you know, toward, you hit that like third quarter end of third quarter. And it seems like you got to take him out because he's just got his hands on his knees. And he did say though, I think he said that he was you know rounding into shape and 
he, he gave like a warning to the league, if I remember correctly. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. He did. Yeah, he played, was, was he like, played a... like 40 minutes in that OKC game, I think. So mm. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a career high for him. He also had like 17 rebounds in that game, I think. And he had yeah, another he a game a few a few games before that where he had like 20 rebounds or close to it. So he, no doubt about it, for the with a couple down games, has been really playing his best basketball over the past few weeks. All right, so let's yeah. get into uh, a little bit more about the rest of the season. Sam, what do you think? What do you think our kind of goals are and what are your expectations? Yeah, so I should say this is not what I would do. I tend to agree more with Max. I would just go full youth movement and see where we land in the lottery. Um, but Ian Begley, who is like the best and most well-sourced Knicks reporter, um, had a tweet today, a report saying that uh, the Knicks were like still trying to make the play in game and the plan is still to win games this year. Um, and I think it's very easy to um, shit on that and just say that's like completely crazy. And like, why would you want to go for the 10 seed? And why wouldn't you want to get better lottery position? Which to be fair is what I would do. Um, but just to put myself in their mindset, I think uh, what we know about the Leon Rose regime um, and it's been clear from day one is they wanted to come in here and they wanted to impose order. Uh, they wanted to kind of clean things up, make, you know, the perception, not the Knicks were like, get the perception away from the Knicks being such a cesspool. So they hired Thibodeau, who's a very strict, rigid coach, all about order. Um, and they've all the moves that they've made have been very sort of conservative and risk averse um, for, for the most part, just trying to sort of put marginal upgrade winning players on the floor um, and get a product that has the mix just sort of looking like a respectable organization. And that's, I think, all towards the end goal of being available as a destination when uh, a star player does become available. Um, so I think what they're probably thinking is, look, if we continue to lose for the rest of the year and we end up as like the sixth spot in the lottery, there's still only a, I don't have the odds in front of you, but there's only like a, there's a small percentage chance that we get the number one pick. And then it goes up maybe to like 30 or 40 to begin to the top four. And then beyond that, there's no sure thing that the player you draft is even going to be a game changing player. So they're probably thinking the better we're going to like stay the course with our, um, with our sort of game plan here. And if we could get Derek Rose back and if we could try to win some games and finish out the season strong and like maybe get to the plan, maybe like make some noise and we're in there, win a game, win two games, end up in the playoffs. They're probably thinking like that will sort of right the ship um, in a sense of keeping some of that good juju from last year and uh, getting like other players excited about coming here to the point where they could make a move for somebody like Jalen Brunson or, uh, you know, maybe a trade for a different kind of player in the off season. So, you know, I don't think that's the right approach, but I see what they're doing. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah. And to that point, there was a report that came out a couple of days ago that I think, uh, I think it was an ESPN report or something that Damian Lillard was no longer like super enthusiastic about going to the Knicks after kind of seeing the events of this season. So that report is probably this front office's worst nightmare and they probably want to keep trying to improve the image and look, I mean, try as we will, our schedule's really hard over the next nine, 10 games. And I'd be very surprised if we won more than two or three of them. So I think we'll probably continue to sink. Although the replacing, if we get, if we lose Kemba and get Rose back in pretty quick succession, that actually could be a pretty major upgrade for the team. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm bracing for try to win, but not succeed. We are only playing by my count four teams uh, over the, for the rest of the season who are not, surefire playoff teams we're on we're playing the kings we're playing the wizards twice we're playing the pistons and we're playing the magic beyond that it's it's like the suns the sixers twice at clippers at mavericks at grizzlies the hawks well the i guess the hawks not a surefire playoff team but the jazz the bulls like whatever they want to do. I, I don't know. This is like sort of my thing here is like, I think we're going to be losing anyways. So that's why I would align more with max. 
And, you know, if you're trying to change your franchise, maybe the way to do it is to try to be competent and lure a star here. But on the other hand, like you can't put odds on that, right? But on the other hand, you tank your way to like the six or the seven pick, and then you have like a 30% chance at getting into the top four. And like, you know, uh, you also can't put exact numbers on that, but maybe there's like a 10% chance that you get Chet Holmgren and then like the whole trajectory of the franchise changes. It's also interesting too, because we do have a bunch of young guys on our team right now. So, and they all, you know, at least most of them have shown some signs of potential for being legitimate players, perhaps long-term players on our roster. So going with the youth movement is a viable option for us. It's kind of, we didn't always have this where we had kind of a a group of young players that have talent um, and, you know, have shown flashes. So I think that's a really good point though, Sam. And maybe it's almost a little serendipitous that we have this tough schedule. It kind of makes our decisions for us in some ways. If we win even more games than we're expected to win, that's a really good sign. And, you know, that means that, a lot of the players that we've talked about already have kind of made a jump and, and pl- are playing much better than they were in the first kind of two thirds of the season. And so that's obviously a positive. And then the, the worst case scenario, which is not a bad case scenario, is probably something that we'd like to see is that we get a high draft pick. So I think those are really good points that you made, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Although I, I will just say, I think this kind of like stay the course and try to go for the plan thing does speak to the risk aversion of the front of the front office. And like my biggest concern with them is I think they're very, they've shown they're very good at making these little marginal upgrade moves. Like when we went from, I think it was 37 and 27, they traded up to 23 and they traded back and ended up with 25 um, and 33. So they moved up with both of their picks or then this year in the draft, we traded down from 32 and got 34 and 36 um, you know, parlayed a late first into Cam Reddish, who's an interesting upside bet. Um, the kind of the Kemba Walker thing is another low risk, potential high reward move that didn't work out. But they don't seem to be willing to take these sort of big swing gambles. And I think if you're a team that's not in the high level playoff race, it is very difficult to get there uh, without taking these big swing gambles. And I could be totally wrong maybe their strategy works and in two years donovan mitchell or zion takes his qualifying offer you know some star forces their way to the knicks um but i do think at a certain point you have to start taking on more risk in order to give yourself a chance at meaningfully changing the trajectory of your franchise so if you were to intentionally like not try to win games for the rest of the year and position yourself in the lottery yes it's a risk because you might get you might not move up or you might move up and take some guy who's a bust but you are giving yourself a chance a real chance at getting a franchise changing player so that's that's kind of my biggest complaint with what they're doing taking on more risk it seems like that jd nba is getting put to put to good use right now (laughs) (laughs) load me up baby (laughs) i just bought more bitcoin yesterday so (laughs) let's go man let's go um max uh so it seems like you kind of uh are on the same page or or do you think you know we're still trying to go for that playing spot yeah i think we're definitely still trying to go for it we ate those two games against the wizards this could have major 10 seed implications if we we can sweep that home and home uh because we're only two and a half back so we get those two and then we basically just have to play them even for the rest of the way and we're in that 10 seed wow this is what we're rooting for now and the poetic <laughs> justice of maybe well maybe they shut down Kristaps, or maybe Kristaps is out there and he's the one keeping us out of that 10 seed oh, god. oh my god that would be horrible why did you say that why did you why did you give that as a possibility that would be horrible well, no, I guess it would be if Kristaps played well, it would knock us down. So actually, that would make us feel better. Win-win. Oh, I see what you're saying. And yeah. if he played poorly, then we'd feel good because, you know, shout and friend. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, now we're going to do a very um, a mildly depressing segment. <laughs> a little bit 
you know, a, a, a strange kind of ranking list that we've got on our hands where we've all kind of ranked who we do and do not want um, on the roster by the off season or by the end of next off season. And uh, yeah, how do you guys want to do it? You want to start with our, you know, our highest pick for leaving or our lowest pick for leaving? <laughs> who do you want to, should we start for who we want to keep or who we want to get rid of first? I think we're going to do a draft. Oh my God. Okay. We'll do a draft. We'll go around. We can start with um player we would most like to deal uh, or amnesty were, were that a thing. Um, but what you can a morbid sort of segment this is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but by the end, we'll be touting the praises of all the guys who we want to keep on the team. So sure, it'll, sure. okay. it'll start bad get the bad news out of the way first and then we can get some good news at the end all right i'm gonna i'm gonna plug our names into a random order generator and then do that's it. how we'll, we'll we'll run a little lottery here and we're just gonna go we're not gonna go like no snake. snake we'll just go yeah, just one two three around. all right so it's gonna be nick with the first overall pick it's gonna be max with the second overall pick and i'm gonna be last oh god Doom, 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 doom. I guess my first overall pick would have to be Nerland's Noel. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> was not number yeah, one on my list. <laughs> so I didn't no, have yeah. Nerland's number one on my list either. He was, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. He just, for me, it's just unnecessary. Um, I don't know why we <laughs> gave him the deal. Uh, I guess he, put, he had a great year last year, so we probably thought we were getting a deal. I guess this year he's been injury prone and just hasn't really showed up. It's not entirely his fault. Um, but, you know, if we're talking about dime a dozen rim running centers, um, definitely having two of them is not necessary. I'm a little afraid that somehow he's the one who gets kept and Mitch is the one who goes away. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with New Orleans Noel as yeah. my first pick. Sam, I'll give you so, some props because you were the one in the offseason who was the most like, wait, what did we just pay Nerlens Noel? <laughs> <laughs> you guys know me. I want efficient shooters and I don't want centers. So, yeah. Makes I sense have no interest building. in the Nerlens Noel contract. Yeah. I do think unnecessary is like the best part. If you're just going to use one word to describe Nerlens Noel this year, it would be unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> unnecessary contract. And also just not necessary on the court because he hasn't fucking been on the court. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Second pick for me, right? Yeah. So I'm, uh, this is good. I'm going to get the guy who was number one on my board at number two. Um, and that is Evan Fournier. Oh, um, I knew it. You know, he's, he's been playing better. Everyone I listen to says, you know, these are the stats he's had his whole career. Um like he's he's just being himself right now um and you know he's hitting a lot of threes but i just think i mean we're paying him like an above average starter at 18 million a year and that he is not um i think he probably is best suited as a bench guard and it's just not good practice to be paying a bench guard 18 million a year and to have that guaranteed for the next two seasons after this one so he seems like a nice guy, but if I could just wipe that from the books and not have to worry about like attaching an asset to get off of it, that is definitely the first thing that I would do. He's great in a post-game press conference, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, interestingly, he's making $17 million a year right now, and he's made $17 million a year uh, since 2016 so this he's like on his career earnings playing at his career level but yeah I also had him number one on my list and That's he also harsh, guys he also is a bit unnecessary I think because <laughs> we have Grimes and I think Grimes might just be better well though to be fair when we signed him this offseason so credit I'm going to credit Max now credit to Max Max was the one of us who was like Fournier this is not such a good thing I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of him. And I was more like, you know, he can dribble, pass, and shoot. So I like that. But uh, I lost my train. Oh, we did not expect to have Grimes 
as like a real contributor this year when we signed Fournier. I think that's my analysis. I think it's fair to want Grimes over him. I think it's a bit unfair to put him first on your list <laughs> just because he's been playing really well and it's... his shots coming around. I still think it's an adjustment period for him you know, this year and coming into a new team. He's been on the same team for his entire career before that. And, you know, it was a weird dynamic with Randall. Obviously they've had, you know, some good, some bad moments together. I don't know. I just, I don't think he deserves to be the number one, but that's just my opinion. I think he's actually a pretty valuable high-end role player. And I, I think he will get better. And I think we'll see him be better in this next, the next part of the season. Maybe it's purely the contract and length of the contract Same. for me. And the fact that I don't think we could trade him for a positive value. I don't, asset. I think there's a possible that there's a possibility if, he, you know, really starts falling out that he becomes a trade asset. I don't think he's, it's totally out of the question that he starts playing, you know, above what he's, where he's been so far. And, you know, his contract is not some sort of damaging contract and we're going to need to trade some money away if we want to get big money. Um, so I don't think it's totally horrible to have him on our roster. I don't think he hurts anyone. I don't mind the idea of him coming off the bench. I don't think he will. But um, I, I, for me, I think that's a bit harsh on him um, just, just in terms of how he's played so far. I mean, in, in the more recent weeks. My, anyway. my rationale for having him first was that I think, well, it was the contract, but also that I just feel like he's a bit limiting um, in that he's strictly a two guard and he doesn't defend very well. So you need to have a good defense. You need to put him next to a good point guard defender, which we did not do for the bulk of this year. Um, mm. And then and then beyond that, he also plays the same position as other guys that I want to see. So he's getting in front of Quickly and uh, mm-hmm. Grimes and what well, we'll see um, and Reddish. So I, that, that was my rationale. But anyway, I think it is my sense. turn. So I'm going to get my second overall uh, the second overall guy on my board here with the third pick. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. Uh, and that would be one Alec Burks. Uh, oh. and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's similar rationale, you know, I think uh, he's just, in, he's just playing a position where we've got other guys who I'd rather see at that position. Um, and I just am, you know, you have to take Tibbs' toys away sometimes because uh, he'll just run them out there and, grind them down into 37% on two shooting pastes uh, if we allow him to. And so I would just want him off the team simply because Tibbs is going to play him too much and play him a point guard. And, you know, I think he's on a movable contract. I am still surprised we couldn't, like, you're telling me, like, the Jazz couldn't have used uh, Alec Burks instead of Elijah Mitchell or whoever it was they traded for. Or, no, they traded for Alexander uh, Walker. Yeah, Nikhil Alexander-Walker that they traded out Elijah Mitchell. Uh, I, I'm just surprised that no contending team wanted to give up like a second-round pick for him. Maybe they did and we said no, but Alec Burks is my pick. Yeah, they were probably looking for a first for him, and then they realized his value had probably gone down this year. Yeah, just not a chance in hell they were going to get a first for him. No, absolutely not. Back around. All right, pick. so I'm up. Um, let's think here. <laughs> Well, I have an interesting one. Uh, I guess we haven't really seen him much, but uh, I think we can get rid of Cam Reddish. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's interesting. He was a lot lower on my board, and I feel like I'm much lower on him. (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, it kind of depends on how RJ plays the rest of the way. It kind of depends on if he can get any minutes. Obviously, this is a wait-and-see kind of thing for me. But, you know, if he shows some potential, if he shows some value, they're really thinking about, like, a superstar trade, right? So let's say he shows some potential over the next, you know, 20 games or so. And, you know, maybe we can throw him in a package. And, you know, I think his upside's there, but that can also be capitalized on. And, you know, maybe we can get some value for him. But it really depends on if he gets minutes. But yeah, interesting. I'm quite surprised with that. Yeah. I uh, I want to see so much more of Cam Reddish before I'm ready to yeah to jettison him. I had him at ten. I had him at eight. 
Wow, you had a ten. I feel like I'm the lowest out of him on everyone. Maybe it's because I don't think we could get. You didn't like him. I like him. I like the guy. I think he's going to be good. Yeah, when we did when we did our like uh, trade deadline preview, you were you were the highest on Cam Reddish of all of us. Yeah, I just I guess maybe I just don't want to deal with the stress of him not playing the rest of the way, and I just I just don't even want to think about it. Yeah. See, that was the worst thing about the trade deadline. It's like. You know, we could get off these contracts in the off season, but we just have to sit here for three months or no more like six months and just be stressed out about whether they're not going to do it or not. Yeah. yeah. Which is not good for any of our health. No, no. Mental well, health is... is at a low, is at an all time low right now for, for us <laughs> Knicks fans. <laughs> this is, uh, this is working out quite nicely for me. I get my one and two. Um, my number two is Kemba Walker. And I'm picking him right now. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I almost discounted him in my thought process. But yes, I probably would have said Kemba. Yeah. So our two prized free agent acquisitions, number one and two on my board for prized free agent uh, de-acquisitions this summer, (laughs) if possible. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, I think we actually could probably trade him for something because he's going to be an expiring like $9 million deal. That's pretty palatable. Um, but I think to make room for guys and just to get off of this just sad failed homecoming story, which has been somewhat of a PR nightmare. I just, I don't want to see it anymore. (laughs) I want it out. Um, and you know, he's been a lovely teammate. Seems like everyone likes him, but it's just, it's just such a headache and Yeah. He was, that's why he was number two for me. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I didn't have him higher is because he's already benched. So he's not like getting in the way of other players. And uh, yeah, I didn't even think about him. Yeah. He doesn't like cause me as much sort of consternation, but yeah. Also I need to, I, I misspoke. Reddish was actually 11th. So I was, the, I was the, I guess, highest on Reddish by having him the lowest. All right, so it's my turn. Um, I it's am going here. to do something a bit controversial. Uh, I'm going to take Julius Randle. I had a feeling. <laughs> yeah. He was coming. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, he's played well enough over the past two or three weeks that he wouldn't be ahead of these guys who I just want totally gone. Um, but with that said, I think that his his slump and sort of like mental questionableness, like thumbs downing the fans, being super checked out, all that stuff just really scares me. And like, even if he played well for the really well, even let's say that he played for the next 24 games as well as he played as an All-NBA player last year, I would still want to move off him in the offseason and sell high. Um, and I think you'd really have to keep your head about that and keep a long-term perspective because we'd all be extremely hyped, but there's something there that I don't particularly like. Um, and I don't believe is going to work in like intense playoff games. Um, and so I would just rather move off him and try to get some, um, assets. Yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty with you on that position in the sense of, if we, you know, we were just looking at a kind of situation where we were thinking about trading him at this deadline and selling low on him, which was obviously not what, you know, and our front office was going to do. And I think selling high is a very enticing thing. It depends on what we get back. It depends on if we could get some first rounders. And But, but at, at the same time, I do think this front office is pretty committed to him. I don't think we're going to do that. Um, and I think... It, you know, by all indications, they want to be competitive. And Randall is our kind of key to that. If if he plays well, we can totally be competitive. There's no question. All right, Nick, you're up next. Oh, God. Now it gets a little dicey. I mean, I, I can go into someone who I, I would like to see on the team, maybe long-term potentially, but I do think Mitch is, it might be, might be gone. Um, and I think it's tough. It's going to be tough to keep him that he's going to command a decent amount on the market. If he continues to play this well, he's still very young. 
And at the end of the day, I don't, I'm kind of with you guys. I don't really want to pay him that much. I, I don't think um, rim running centers are, you know, should take up a lot of cap space. We already don't have any cap space this summer. And, you know, unfortunately I do like him as a player and I think he's a pretty, he's got amazing defensive upside. Um, but I could totally see them getting, you know, letting him go this off season. Yeah. I had him, I had him way, I had him uh, as like my fourth lowest ranked guy, but I can see it. Um, and, you know, then we should have traded him. It's just going to be really annoying to me if he walks in free agency and we didn't try to get something out of him at the deadline. Um, yeah. I did see a report that was saying he might get offered like the Christian Wood contract, which is like 327, I think. I would be very comfortable paying him that. I would be okay. Yeah. I'll be fine with that. Anything under like 15. I think 15 is probably the ceiling per year of what I would go to for him. Yeah. I think that that's what it really depends on for me. Yeah. I had him lower as well. Um, my next pick, uh, we haven't seen a ton of this guy. He might be the next Mitch, but I had Jericho Sims as my next pick. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. haven't seen a ton of him. He might be Mitch again. But uh, I feel like more likely he's just – he might be more Marquise Chris. I don't know. Um, I don't know about that. He's definitely interesting. He's interesting. He's got some, there's something there for sure. No, I don't see him as Marquise Chris. I see him more like – like um, what's that guy's name? Thomas Bryant, just sort of like a uh-huh. large human. He's, I think – isn't <laughs> Thomas Bryant kind of like groundbound though? Like Sims is yeah. a ridiculous athlete. Sims is a high flyer. And, he, and what I like about him is his the motor. The motor's there no matter what, even if he makes weird decisions sometimes because he's – I don't think he has the highest basketball IQ, but he definitely moves a lot on the court, and he's super athletic. And if he can kind of figure out the basketball part, I, I do think there's there's absolutely a player there, whether that's a backup big or, you know, even a spot starter here and there. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily like to trade him. We're just past the number of players who I would actively like to trade and not quite at the players who I would actively like to keep. That's a great way to put it. All right, well, ugh, for my pick, this really pains me. I'm going to mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. ugh, execute my father here. Uh, Taj Gibson. He felt just, yep. Yeah, the, the best, my favorite. Uh, as as my girlfriend said, so consistent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just just love Taj. Um, you know, maybe more like my uncle than my dad. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, I can't I can't be getting rid of our young prospects uh, to keep thirty seven year old Taj Gibson. So yeah, with with the most respect, I sadly I'm kicking him off the ship. I agree. That's who I would have taken. Unfortunately, I think I would have to agree there too. Yeah. Even though, what a what a Nick, what a true hey, Nick. I mean, it's saying something that of our four centers, he was the one who lasted the longest. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that's emotional, probably. But yeah, I had I had so just to make a confession here, he was my second highest to go on the center list. I actually had Sims uh, one below him just because he's younger. All right, Nick. All right. Not starting so to get this tough. next one. I feel very passionate about Ryan Archie Diacono. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see his face again, dude. Not at no, all. No, no. We should explain <laughs> know, to our I know, listeners we're excluding Ryan Archie Diacono <laughs> and Lisa, Luca Samanich, uh, or Luca Sandwich, as we've effectively dubbed yeah. him. Yes. And no um, Rokas either. He's not even technically on the team yet, but. Yeah, only guys who have played a minute this season. Oh, we're not doing Rokas? Okay. No, we're not doing Rokas. Got it. Okay, Nick, your actual uh, pick? Fine, now I have to get a real pick in. That's unfortunate. Man, I really don't know. These are starting to get to guys that I don't want to give up at all. Yeah. Um, the only one that So I should we just recap right now... who's left? Yes, yeah, sure. sure. Go ahead. All right, so we've got Quick, Obi, RJ, Grimes, Deuce, and Derrick Rose. So these are all, like, players that we want on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Derrick Rose is kind of, unfortunately, 
the only one who's not a young guy who's got potential. It's hard to give up on someone like Deuce. Deuce would have been my kind of other choice because just we haven't seen him be really effective yet. But man, that one, I remember we were watching one game of his, I forget who, who we were playing and he really showed a spark as being just a, a dog on the defensive end. He, he shows flashes, at least he definitely shows flashes in the G League of being able to shoot and handle the ball and he kills it in the G League. He just wrecks people. Um, unfortunately, Derek Rose, once again, it's where we tied up a bunch of, you know, some of our money, some of our cap space. I'm, he's always going to be an injury risk, even though I love him to death and he's probably our best player. But, you know, that's, that's my choice. I hate, I hate it. I don't like it. It hurts. I hate and, you. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. just to pick just to pick it at a nit here. I I feel like D Rose is so important for Quick and Obi on the bench that I want I don't want to give him up. I would have cut Deuce. Me too. Uh, okay, I, I think it's a close call, but yeah, I, I I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I could have chosen Deuce as well. Yeah, it's too I, late. He's drowning in the ocean. You can't get oh, him back. No. Yeah, Rose <laughs> what have I done? Uh, <laughs> I, I would have been between Deuce and Rose there as well. And I also would have leaned towards keeping Rose for the reasons Sam said. Of, well, I mean, first of all, he's one of the best bench guards in the league. So that's like a valuable thing to have. He's really good for the young guys. He's a good veteran leader. Guys kind of love him on the team. So yeah, I would have kept him for one more spot. But uh, <laughs> it's crazy because I had a meltdown when we traded for him. I know. I mean, he was <laughs> he was really bad this first stint with us. So. Yeah, no, we, there was a lot of scar tissue there. <laughs> anyway, uh, so with my pick next, I'm going to take Deuce. Um, I just think of the remaining options: Deuce, Toppin, Quick, Grimes, RJ. He has probably shown the least flash the fewest flashes of brilliance um but i do have i don't want to get rid of him i would like to keep him uh i think (laughs) (laughs) he's shown um he's definitely shown that he can be a pesky on ball defender um hopefully at both guard positions i'd like to see how the shot continues to develop i have some concerns about uh how much he'll be able to get his shot off and how accurate he will be with it when he does um but I do think the potential is there to develop into like a Patrick Beverly type of player, um, which is certainly a valuable player and a winning player to have. Um, Patrick Beverly started on a lot of playoff teams. So yeah, definitely want to see more of Deuce, uh, but of the remaining options, he would, he would not get the rose, so to speak. Wow. Yeah. Nice reference. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now we've got our core four here. Um, Quick and Obi and Grimes and then RJ, Star J. And I am going to kick off Obi. Um, I know he just won the dunk contest, uh, but I think what it really comes down you mean to by default? is Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he just <laughs> won the worst dunk contest of all time. <laughs> but you know, I thought some of his dunks were cool. Um, Definitely. I just I just feel like it's this league is all about shot creation, uh play and playmaking um to really win at the highest levels and he doesn't he actually is a decent passer but um I, I think it would really be between well I won't say anymore but about who it would be between but I just think a center who or not a center a power forward who doesn't really shoot threes and yet and kind of needs to be assisted on all of his baskets is kind of a limited player even if he's really exciting um and maybe there's potential to expand there I mean he's sometimes puts the ball on the floor and does interesting things. He's a fantastic finisher. Um, and I honestly wouldn't mind seeing what he looked like at center. Um, it's like a backup five, but I think he's limited in a lot of respects uh, that just, I can't keep him over, over quickly or, or Grimes or RJ. So I'm, I'm sorry, Obi, but I do love you. I, 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 I would have to push back. And I, I do think I would probably take quick at this spot. That's just me. I think. I'm worried about Quick's upside. That's all. But and I and I do think Ob has you know just the potential. He just has a higher ceiling. And you talk about taking on more risk, and he is one of those a little bit of a risk reward kind of guy. I mean, if he does learn how to shoot, 
if his handle, which I think is better than he's shown and he's kind of confident enough to show right now, um, if that develops and he becomes a decent scorer, he can, he can do it at, I mean, at the college level, he did it at all three levels. And I think there's, if there's that potential there, plus his athleticism and motor and just overall energy for the game, I, I would definitely have taken quick over this spot, but I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I think it's I, funny I, I would take, I would want to keep quick for the same rationale, but I guess, you know, reasonable minds can differ. I just yeah. feel like he has the higher ceiling as like oh, a, a potential like step back three sort of playmaking guard. Obi's about to turn 24 as well, which is somewhat concerning. Really? He's he turns that's... 24 oh. on March 4th. <laughs> it's no good. Jason Almost Tatum is like 23. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. dear. Um, well, in this next spot, I'm taking quick, if you couldn't already tell that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, been up and down. You know, I think we've seen him maybe there was there was one or two games in the past couple of games where he's started to turn it on a little bit, particularly in terms of the shooting and comfort level. Um, he's obviously been thrust into a tough spot, you know, having to learn point guard in a season that's already kind of in turmoil. Um, and I, for me, the only I, I definitely don't want to get rid of him. I don't want people to listen to this and think I don't like quick. I'm I'm very high on him particularly as like a high-end role player. I think he can definitely be a bench combo guard who can play in the league for a long time. I, I, I don't think he's a bad player, but I worry about his shot selection. I worry about his ability to get his shot off when any sort of defense is coming at him. And if he doesn't develop the step back three on like a consistent level, I think that's a pretty low percentage shot. And then so his two main shots in his arsenal are going to be a floater, which is a notoriously inefficient shot and a step back three, which is an inefficient shot. So I'm just worried about him in terms of his size. He's not that athletic. He's got much improving ball skills. That's where I think he can get a lot better. Um, But he has a long way to go for me in terms of reaching a certain ceiling. That's, that's to me, I, I just don't see it as quite as high as you guys do. Yeah. And I think one thing that differentiates him from sort of the cliche, the sort of stereotypical, microwave bench guard is I do think he's going to be a good defender at, at guard spots, particularly matching up against bench teams, but he's displayed an ability to bother um, starting level guards too. Like when we played the warriors the other night um, or the other week, one of my warriors fan friends texted me like, man, quicks really kind of bothering Steph with his ball pressure and stuff. So I do think that's something that that's working in quick's favor and, you know, he made it to the final three. He's part of our young core. Um, right. We definitely, we, we like him and just hopefully that 91% free throw shooting goes the way of all other 90% free throw shooters basically. And he becomes a high efficiency shooter. So he's going to be a hope. good shooter. I'm, I'm going to die on that hill. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's, if he can make a layup, it'd be great though. Yeah. That would be nice. Would be nice. Well, we've reached the final two. I don't think there's much suspense here. Uh, last two are RJ and Quentin Grimes. Uh, definitely the two biggest bright spots of this season. Um, but there's no doubt that RJ is our like franchise player. So the sensible pick here is Quentin Grimes. Um, and instead of sort of splitting hairs on why they went here, I think we can just talk about how much we like them. Uh, but yeah, Quentin Grimes probably profiles as I think like a future three and D starting two guard, um, which is a very valuable player. Um, and I'm just really excited to see if he continues to grow his ability to kind of create his own shot, whether that's off movement or off the dribble. Um, if he can continue to like convert a high percentage of his threes on increasing volume, which to this point he's done very well. Um, yeah, and definitely very excited that we got him at 25 because anytime you draft someone who profiles as someone who might be a starter after like 15 in the draft, it's a win. So, yeah. 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 I think, um, having him and RJ as our potential wing, like combo for the years to come is extremely exciting because they're both strong players, solid defenders, good shooters grimes like an ex looks like he's going to be an excellent shooter um i think it's very easy to 
build around those guys. And like, if you want to, if you need to bring in like a star and move Grimes to the bench, I think that's fine. You know, I think they're just, they're just good, solid, adaptable NBA players to have. Um, and, you know, I think when I made this list and I was, I was a little bit disappointed because I was like, wow, it doesn't make me feel that good about our future prospects that like the second, the player that I like set the second most player that I want to keep is a 25th overall pick, but you know, he, he actually has played quite well. And I think him and, and quick and RJ and, and OB are certainly an interesting young core with, with the potential to improve. Um, but just to talk about RJ a little bit, I mean, we've talked about him a lot, but uh, obviously he's like our, he's our chosen son right now. Um, he's still 21 years old, I think shown a lot of great like ball handling ability this year um, more than more than the years past and starting to really pick up his shooting from three. Yeah. I don't think we need to have the debate about what he could become, but obviously he is the last pick here and think, you know, there was only one reasonable choice. So yeah, feels, feels yeah. good to have a player like that for sure. That is really nice. I mean, as kind of grim as we are after the trade deadline and as depressing as this season has been um i mean we're what two and eight in our last 10 and we're about to hit a really rough stretch it's just there aren't you know not every team has a guy that has shown as much as rj has in a short amount of time um with the pressure of new york with everything going on um julius randall being a nut he's still found a way to develop and just prove himself and be i actually think he's showed some really good leadership qualities. He doesn't get rattled too easily. And I just, I think it's just been a real bright spot. I, I just thank God for RJ, right? Like, yeah. And yeah. yeah. And good on the front office for, um, as far as the other guys who made it towards the end of the list for drafting guys who seem like they can be real players in the twenties and thirties. Um, that's definitely encouraging. Yeah, although you wouldn't have to draft them in the 20s and 30s if you tanked a little bit and got that lottery pick a bit higher. But Right, and there's other guys yeah. in the 20s and 30s who might be even better, but we won't talk the about The Knicks aren't good at tanking, okay? We all know that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, I mean, well, I think that wraps it up. Let's, let's, uh, I think we've gone on long enough. And, yeah. um, you know, just wanted to say thanks, guys, for listening. And we'll catch you on the next one. Yep. Yeah. Sounds good. Bye, everyone.